always wanted to be. They tossed them into the water and then noticed the ashes. I was in Las Vegas some years ago to address the annual Farm Bureau meeting. On my way to the hall, a fellow recognized me and asked what I was doing in Las Vegas. And I told him I was there, what I was there for. And he said, what are a bunch of farmers doing in a place like Las Vegas? And I couldn't resist. I said, Buster, they're in a business that makes a Las Vegas crap table look like a guaranteed annual income. First prime minister in a Catholic hardcore country, and she won with that much landslide. Where is all of them to be happy with it, right? Nothing, zero, zip, silent. CNN, they don't say anything. What's his name? Anderson Cooper, he's a gay. He's supposed to support that, no? For women's rights. Where is he? <laughs> Anderson Cooper is a gay, as this individual points out. And therefore, Anderson Cooper should like the new radical neo-fascist prime minister of Italy because she's a woman and gay men like women's rights. Quite a political analysis from this gentleman. Really oh. interesting. There was a guy at the Trump rally who... Fucking idiot. Whenever they mention... <laughs> there was a guy at the Trump rally who... It's whenever... I'm getting real tired of living in unprecedented times. Effing idiots. They mention anyone who's gay. Like, there's a comment about uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene mentioned Pete Buttigieg. And... <laughs> Your Queen's English accent is so brilliant because it's so specific. What's... Do you find is the most difficult thing to pronounce, and how do you get to that voice? Um, well, uh, we had weirdly a lot. The word that came up a lot was house. House. <laughs> house. House. Because we had to say because they they lived in Clarence House. Clarence House. And nobody says house when they say anything, and we all would be walking around going Clarence House, but there, you had to, the, the dialect coach, William, who's amazing, came up with a way of us getting into it, as it were. Uh-huh. And that was to say, dirty mouse. House. 
Dirty mice. House. House. Dirty mouse house. Dirty mouse house. Your Queen's English accent. I was driving back from my parents' house and I was driving too fast. I was just being a bit naughty. I was going over the speed limit. Yeah. And I feel the sirens go off behind me. And this uh, policeman comes up, pulls me over and, and, and I, you know, a bit sheepish. I said, I'm really sorry. I didn't, wasn't looking at the clock. And he said, do you realise how fast you were going? And that was a, that's a bookable offence. And I said, yes, I'm very, very sorry uh, for sir. And he said, look, there's two ways we could do this. You can either follow me back to the police station now and I book you in, or you can tell me whether you live in the next series of... <laughs> yeah. Whether you live? I love that he did that. And I laughed, like you all laughed. So I, I looked at him and went... I, I'm, I'm alive next season. And he, and he goes, he says, mm -hmm. on your way, Lord Commander. <laughs> I was driving back from my parents' house and I was driving too fast. I was just being a bit naughty. I was going over the speed. Yeah. And I feel the okay, sirens go off behind shorts. me. And this... Um, Trump lawyer finally been charged 12 hours ago. It's a leading cause of bankruptcy, medical debt, and debt collectors can charge outrageous interest, even seize your wages or your home. But Prop 209 caps interest at 3% to protect your property and paycheck. Vote yes. So, my son got me this weird new tool for Father's Day. Hey, yeah. And at first, Come I on, thought it looked kind of... So, folks, what I want to do in this one is oh, really hone in on my favorite new catchphrase. Something that's been taken from old Donnie and Donnie. repurposed for something much, much more appropriate. MAGA doesn't mean what it used to mean. MAGA now means make attorneys get attorneys. We've been saying it. Everyone's been saying it. And it's the focus of this video for two reasons. The first is building on all these stories with continuing breaking news. I got some brand new info for you on this developed. Bob's story where she signed the document, asked for a declaration on it. Now she's going to the feds and saying, actually, I didn't do the search for the Trump documents, so they I was lied to, and it's really kicked off this fight between Trump and his lawyers and between the Trump lawyers themselves. But then get to some breaking news after these clips I'm going to show you, because a Trump lawyer is finally facing accountability in a way that we've been begging to see. Yes, a Trump lawyer has finally been charged, and I don't think they're going to recover from it for the rest of their lives. Uh -huh. Was at Mar-a-Lago on the day of the FBI search back in August. She went on TV afterwards, refusing to shoot down the ridiculous conspiracy theory that the FBI had planted evidence. I don't think that there was actually anything there that's worthwhile. Uh, we'll see what they come up with. You know, if they did, it'll be interesting, especially since they precluded me from actually watching what they did. But at this point, I don't necessarily think that they would even go to the extent of trying to plant information. I think they just make stuff up and, you know, come up with whatever they want. And I, I, that's the way that they will have to proceed in order to actually try to indict the president because they, they don't have anything. There, there's just nothing there. There is just... There is just nothing there, she said. There is just nothing there. Bob is also the lawyer who signed a statement certifying to the DOJ that all sensitive documents stored at Mar-a-Lago have been returned. 
Before that August search, when the FBI found over 100 additional classified records. And that is what may have put Bob herself in legal jeopardy. NBC News is reporting that on Friday, Christina Bob spoke with federal investigators. Remember, to be a Trump lawyer, you often need a lawyer of your own. Joining us now is Joyce Vance, who has never been a Trump lawyer, but she is a former U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Alabama and an MSNBC contributor. Joyce, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. Christina Bob told investigators she signed the statement certifying there were no more sensitive documents after another lawyer, Evan Corcoran, told her to sign it, and she insisted on a disclaimer that she hadn't searched for any more documents herself. Do you think Bob is a target of the investigation, or is she serving as a witness, or what? Federal prosecutors don't usually sit down and talk with a target unless there's some sort of a cooperation deal in the works. That's not always true. There are occasions where you might, perhaps they could come in with their lawyer to try to convince you that they shouldn't be indicted at all. But one prospect that, that certainly is on the table here is that she could be cooperating. Whatever the reality is here, Maddie, it's in some ways painful to listen to her. She was clearly in over her head. But any lawyer, anyone who's been to law school, passed the bar practices, should understand that when a lawyer asks you to do something that they are unwilling to do themselves, that you should tread very carefully. And she didn't, and she may well have exposed herself to criminal liability as a result. Neil, I want to start with you. Your thoughts on this approach, pressuring Trump's lawyers? Well, someone, Alicia, needs to keep running tally on how many Trump lawyers are facing legal liability at this point. I mean, it's getting hard for me to keep track, and I have a feeling that there are more to come. So I think what we learned today is that this lawyer, Ms. Bob, has been talking to the federal investigators, and what she said is essentially hot potato. Like, she said, look, I'm not responsible. I just certified what someone else, another lawyer, told me to say. I mean, she's got a problem with that and that she's also certified in that document that she was the custodian of records. But it does look like she might have been out of the loop on what information was and was not kept at Mar-a-Lago. And that was responsibility of another lawyer. So now the federal investigators are going to talk, of course, to that other lawyer. And this is where I think Donald Trump has to be really worried because they first talked to Christina Bob. She pointed the finger at this other lawyer, Evan Corcoran. And now... The investigators will talk to him, and he very well may point the finger back at Donald Trump. And so this is all one way to try and get at this question. Do is Donald Trump responsible for all of these stolen documents showing up at Mar-a-Lago? I suspect the answer is yes. yes. We all know the answer is yes. Uh -huh. But the investigators are doing everything they can to dot the I's and cross the T's before making that ultimate, really grave decision. Do you indict a former president of the United States? Neil, I appreciate your idea about an ongoing count of the number of lawyers here who have legal exposure. It would be sort of like that election countdown clock we do in the corner, except instead of the numbers ticking down, they would be ticking up. i got to ask you, though, what is the potential legal liability for Trump's lawyers? Um, it's there. I mean, you know, as a lawyer, you don't have immunity from criminal prosecution, just as you don't have immunity from criminal prosecution if you're a former president. You do have attorney-client privilege, but that's always subject to the bedrock principle, what's known as the crime-fraud exception. No attorney-client privilege if, you're, if you, the attorney, are being used to facilitate a crime. And here it does look like 
Trump was using his attorneys to facilitate a crime, not the initial spiriting away of the documents from the White House to Mar-a-Lago, but refusing in the teeth of a federal request for these very documents to say, oh, I've turned them all over. You got nothing here. And so that's what they said. That's what Ms. Bob said. And then the archives felt that wasn't true. And they went and got a search warrant. And then they executed the search warrant. And they found hundreds upon hundreds of highly sensitive documents, many classified, at least on the outward markings, in some of the most sensitive ways our government has, sensitive compartment of information. So listen to that. You get more from this Bob thing. And there's a mixture here of, yes, mocking her and, yes, saying that she's still in trouble. But I think a lot of people are sympathetic to her. And that's bad news for Trump. Because if people were just 100% railing on Bob, saying she's got no chance in hell, then it would clearly be a sign for Trump that, yes, I've successfully sent another lawyer down the river instead of myself. I did to this lawyer what I did to Cohen and so many others, and I'll be fine. But the fact that people are buying her story, even if critically and only partially, really bodes poorly for the rest of Trump's team. Because what it shows is that the other lawyers made her do this and or Donald Trump made her do this and or everyone sort of knew that Donald Trump was lying about returning all of the documents that were requested and no one really trusted him, even the people that represent him in a court of law. And so all of that is really terrible. And that's where these new things come in. Because one of Donald Trump's lawyers is finally being held accountable. Great headline by WAPO just from the day or two ago saying that we finally get some accountability and actual charges, charges against a Trump lawyer that we haven't really seen yet, at least in this particular lawyer, that could end their career. And I want to just read it to you. It says, but lawyers involved in Trump's 2020 efforts face an additional avenue of accountability, professional consequences, Several, like former Trump Attorney General uh, Attorney City Powell, have been a sanction for pursuing baseless litigation against the election in some states. Trump Attorney Rudy Giuliani has similarly faced bar proceedings in New York and Washington, D.C. But an investigative office of the D.C. Bar Association has just launched a complaint accusing Clark of dishonesty, Jeffrey Clark, and of attempting to interfere with the administration of justice, both sanctionable offenses for a practicing attorney. If the charges are upheld, Clark faces a, faces a range of punishment from reprimand to the loss of his law license and it uh, notes that this is bad news for trump because these charges they're ethical one, charges they're not criminal charges but they're ethical that, charges that, are massive that, because it could end this man's one, career i think his that, career's probably already toasted and it's absolutely dealing with documents that he's trying to hide under attorney client privilege so this bar association charge one of the first trump lawyers to finally be charged with something be it ethical or criminal conduct not only sinks him not only is a black mark in the trump legal team but also could reveal even more Trump crimes through the release of these documents in a public bar proceeding. Charges, lawyers falling apart, love to see it. MAGA, make attorneys get attorneys. You worked hard for your piece of the American dream, and now it is being stolen from you. Joe Biden and the Democrats have erased our southern border. They released a record number of illegal immigrants into our country, all at your expense. This flood of illegal immigration is draining your paychecks, wrecking your schools, ruining your hospitals, and threatening your family. Tell Joe Biden, stop the insanity. Citizens for Sanity paid for this ad.
Ohio's Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate, Congressman Tim Ryan, joins us now. Good morning, Congressman. I think uh, congratulations were in order. That was a really strong performance. I'm curious, though, um, how you felt it went last night, but also how the campaign is doing. Is the party giving you the support you need? And what do you think it will take to get it over the line in this final month? Another one yeah, thanks, Mika. Good morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a fun night. I mean, you know, there wasn't a crowd there or anything. It was just in the studio, so it was a little bit, you know, muted. But, you know, I think we got our points across. We wanted to make sure we held his feet to the fire. We just see so many candidates who get away with some of the crap that they've been saying for the last however many months. Uh, or years, really. And, you know, we held him account last night. And uh, by all accounts, we won the debate. And, uh, you know, got a lot of, you know, people wanting to help and support the campaign now. You know, we're taking a lot, as I said, Mitch McConnell gave him 40 million bucks. Peter Thiel gave him 15. Uh, you know, we're out here slogging. It's David versus Goliath. But I think we got a really, really good shot to win this thing. Well, let me ask you, have the, have the Democrats given you $40 million? They have not. I didn't why see that not? come in. <laughs> so, no, why, why not? I mean, this, 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 I is, noticed, this is an extraordinarily important race. I'm just curious. Why are they letting Republicans and Peter Thiel buy this seat? Where, where are the Democrats? Why aren't the Democrats putting money into this race? Because the way I look at it, Nevada's going sideways. Pennsylvania's getting really close. It's really tight. I mean, if you look at trend lines, Dr. Oz, one second, he's in a grocery store talking about crudite 20 points down, and now it's too close to call. Ohio is a critically important race because you have, and I'm just going to say this on the air, and by the way, we, J.D., we invite you to come on our show. <laughs> People have told me, Republican donors have told me he's the worst candidate they've ever been in touch with. The, 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 the worst candidate they've ever held fundraisers for, the rudest candidate they've ever seen. He doesn't like campaigning, they tell me. He's lazy, and he doesn't look like he likes being out there. I don't bring that up to insult Butters. I have the greatest of respect for that Butters has gotten out there and campaigned. And by the way, J.D., you're welcome on this show, but I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm underlining this point for National Democrats. Why does Mitch McConnell want to win this seat more than national Democrats? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I've, I've uh, as you know, and I've been on your show for years now, I've always expressed the level of frustration with the National Democratic Party, uh, the disconnect of working class people. And here you have a blue collar candidate who's, you know, in the last two public polls, we've been up three points. Uh, we're traveling the whole state. We have uh, Rob Portman's former chief of staff uh, helping us with a huge Republicans for Ryan effort to lots of two time Trump voters that are supporting us. And, and you know, yet we still can't get the kind of the, the air support that, that J.D. Vance is getting. But look, make no mistake, we just had a huge fundraising haul. We raised 17 million dollars. The national you know, and, and state donor base are being very, very helpful. Uh, you know, low dollar donors. I get little notes, Joe, probably like you did when you ran. You know, someone in, that's on Social Security sent you a $10 check because that's all they can give. That's what's fueling this campaign. That's why it's exciting. I, I kind of like it a little bit. 
you know, that we're David versus Goliath. Corporations can get thousands of dollars. That's what's going to make it fun. You know, no one's saying we could win. They've been saying it for a year and a half. We're grinding it out. And uh, we're going to knock this guy off because he's a complete fraud. As we proved last night, we'll prove it again next week at the debate. And we're going to, you know, do the final final quarter of play here. Willie, I did get notes. I did get those little notes, but they were like, get off my lawn. Stop littering our neighborhood with your yard signs. They were everywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. how you got their votes. You just exactly. avoid them into submission. Said, I, I will stop. Yes. I'll get out of your neighborhood if you vote for me. That is real. Congressman Ryan, by the way, said to NBC, just like pulling teeth with the National Democrats. They got a guy running around with a tinfoil hat on, and we're out here fighting on our own. He's raising himself from the party. Um, so, Congressman, you made the point yesterday, last night at the debate, when you were uh, talking about the ass kisser line that used to talk about J.D. Vance that you had broken with Joe Biden, that you had broken with Nancy Pelosi and others. You, in fact, said last night that Joe Biden shouldn't run for president. We can talk about that. Republicans last night pointed to the fact that despite what you say, and you have come out in publicly and said those things, you vote with Nancy Pelosi and you vote with Joe Biden almost 100 percent of the time. So what do you say to that? Well, I said, look, look at what we voted for. Uh, you know, the, the CHIPS Act is, has helped us land a $100 billion investment from Intel to manufacture semiconductors in Ohio, uh, 7,000 union construction jobs uh, to build it, 5,000 union construction jobs for the next 10 years. So look at the infrastructure bill, bipartisan. I was able, uh, working with Sherrod Brown and others, to get significant Buy American language into that bill. It's going to create 600,000 jobs. Uh, in Ohio and get this Brent Spence bridge we've been trying to get built in Cincinnati for a long time. You look at the Inflation Reduction Act, it goes all in on natural gas, which is going to be huge for Ohio. But it also, we saw a stream of investments happen after we passed that. General Motors is putting hundreds of millions of dollars into their transmission facility uh, in Toledo because they're going all in on electric vehicles because they know the government now is significantly behind them. The old Lordstown plant that I've talked about my whole career was empty. They just announced, Foxconn bought it, they just announced a fourth vehicle. There's a truck, two cars, and a tractor that are gonna be manufactured in the old General Motors Lordstown plant. We're talking about yeah. thousands of jobs. So what are we voting for here is the question. So of course I'm gonna support the things that are good from Ohio, but on the student loan piece, on, on some of the other initiatives, I'm taking on the administration. I think that's what Ohio wants. All right, Congressman, we, we, we're now to lightning round. We've got a couple other questions for you, uh, but we don't have a couple of minutes. Mark. Well, we do. Scott, go, Mark. Yeah, thanks, Congressman. I, you know, a lot of Democratic voters are perpetually frustrated seeing Republicans win races that Democrats should have been able to win. Um, so do you think this is connected to this generational change? I'm still stuck on this fact that the party isn't helping your Walk campaign in the way they could be. Is that, you know, part of the reason for this gener this need for generation? change that you were talking about last night. Help us understand that. Yeah, I, I don't understand it, but I think the focus on the economic issues here in places like Ohio are really critically important. We lost that brand. When I grew up, it used to be Democrats for the working people and Republicans were for the rich people. And that's when we held Congress and we had significant support. So I think getting back on this economic message, building stuff, taking on China, manufacturing, these clean tech jobs of the future. I think that's where we need to be. If we hit that sweet spot, along with Roe v. Wade and a couple of these other things, I think we can put together another majority. 
So, Congressman, we were just talking about what issues are animating voters this fall. In a recent poll in your state, in Ohio, say 15% threats to democracy, 13% abortion, but a whopping 41% uh, the economy. So by far the biggest issue there. Uh, what are you hearing day to day on the trail of people talking about the economy? And have you seen a flood of new voters that Democrats thought would come this fall in the wake of the Supreme Court decision? We are seeing a lot of energy around Roe v. Wade, um, but I, I kind of feel that a lot of that's baked in already, like it, including like Republican pro-choice women or your dads or brothers who think that this is the largest governmental overreach in the history of our lifetime, as Joe mentioned earlier, taking rights away. Like people know about that. Yeah, you got to communicate a little bit with them. But most people are, are still living paycheck to paycheck. And if you're talking about issues other than their pocketbook, you look disconnected. And I think that's why we're doing so well here is because we have the economic argument, but we're also talking about freedom and personal liberty of women. You can talk about both. It's, it's a false choice. Uh, economic freedom and personal freedom are still freedom. And so running under the banner of Freedom America, you know, that this is a great place and we got to rebuild the American middle class shouldn't be hard to do. And, and, and so, again, we're now now we're we're taking on everybody here. We don't have the national support that we want. We're asking people to help us. Uh, we got three hundred fifty thousand low dollar donors. Ninety five percent of our contributions are under a hundred dollars. Uh, so we're asking people to go to timforoh.com and, and chip in a few bucks for us so we can keep this thing going and shock the world. All right, Ohio's Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate, Congressman Tim Ryan, thank you very much for being on the show this morning. We appreciate it. The filter sorb whole house yes. water conditioner, a complete home water filtration oh, yeah. and conditioning system by Purigan Water. Calcium and magnesium are healthy minerals found in your home's water supply. However, when these ions are heated, they can wreak havoc on your home, causing hard water and scale buildup in your pipes and appliances. In the past, traditional salt-based water. Over to Steve Kornacki, midterm elections, uh, four weeks away now. He's over at the big board. Uh, Steve, we can talk. I think it is outrageous that we still have Citizens United. And, and Electoral College that has stolen several elections from U.S. voters now, exclamation points, and got us stuck with disastrous, comma, unpopular presidents like Bush and now Trump, exclamation points. Citizens United makes corporations into individuals, comma, and allows the flood of dark money into elections, exclamation point. So basically, rich people like Coke, 
K-O-C-H. Are buying our elections through their corporations? Exclamation point. Why should we allow this form of institutionalized bribery to go on? Question mark. I think we should outlaw campaign contributions altogether. Exclamation points. Turn our elections into a place to debate ideas, comma, instead of buying off our politicians, exclamation point. Carson Cinema got $750,000 from Big Pharma. Exclamation point. So now she votes like a Republican. Dash, dash. Carson Cinema votes. Whatever the corporations. Tell her to vote. Exclamation point. Same thing for the rest of the entire GOP. Period. MSNBC. MSNBC, comma, is there any truth to this story about Russia laundering 400 million through the NRA, comma, donating to Republican campaigns? Question mark. If that is true, we need to know. Exclamation point. Please follow the money, NBC. I mean, MSNBC. <laughs> And soon, exclamation point.
Okay. Select all copy. This is the oops. Status error. Job radio. Job radio. Job radio. Looks like they. Keep um, fucking and deleting my comments. Biopic picture. What are you looking at? Uh, they just announced a fourth vehicle. There's a truck, two cars, and a tractor that are going to be manufactured in, Lord, in the old General Motors Lordstown plant. We're talking about yeah. thousands of jobs. So what are we voting for here is the question. So, of course, I'm going to support the things that are good from Ohio, but on the student loan piece, on, on some of the other initiatives, I'm taking on the administration. I think that's what Ohio wants. All right, Congressman, we, we, we're now the lightning round. We've got a couple other questions for you, uh, but we don't have a couple of minutes. Mark. Well, we do. Scott. Go, Mark. Yeah, thanks, Congressman. I, you know, a lot of Democratic voters are perpetually frustrated seeing Republicans win races that Democrats should have been able to win. Um, so do you think this is connected to this generational change? I'm still stuck on this fact that the party isn't helping your campaign in the way they could be. Is that, you know, part of the reason for this gener this need for generational change that you were talking about last night? Help us understand that. Yeah, I, I don't understand it, but I think the focus on the economic issues here in places like Ohio are really particularly important. We lost that brand when I grew up. It used to be Democrats for the working people and Republicans were for the rich people. And that's when we held Congress and we had significant support. So I think getting back on this economic message, building stuff, taking on China, manufacturing these clean tech jobs of the future, I think that's where we... Electoral College, exclamation point. So tired of our crappy, fucking outdated, comma, antiquated election and political system. Ruining our country, exclamation point. sweet spot along with Roe v. Wade and a couple of these other things, I think we can put together another majority. So, Congressman, we were just talking about what issues are animating voters this fall. In a recent poll in your state in Ohio say 15% threats to democracy, 13% abortion, but a whopping 41% uh, the economy. So by far the biggest issue there. Uh, what are you hearing day-to-day -day on the trail of people talking about the economy? And have you seen a flood of new voters that Democrats thought would come this fall in the wake of the Supreme Court decision? We are seeing a lot of energy around Roe v. Wade, um, but I, I kind of feel that a lot of that's baked in already, like in, including like Republican pro-choice women or your dads or brothers who think that this is the largest governmental overreach in the history of our lifetime, as Joe mentioned earlier, taking rights away. Like people know about that. Yeah, you got to communicate a little bit with them. But most people are, are still living paycheck to paycheck. And if you're 
talking about issues other than their pocketbook, you look disconnected. And I think that's why we're doing so well here is because we have the economic argument, but we're also talking about freedom and personal liberty of women. You can talk mm-hmm. about both. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a false choice. Uh, economic freedom and personal freedom are still freedom. And so running under the banner of Freedom America, you know, that this is a great place and we got to rebuild the American middle class shouldn't be hard to do. And, and, and so, again, we're now now we're we're taking on everybody here. We don't have the national support that we want. We're asking people to help us. Uh, we got three hundred fifty thousand low dollar donors. Ninety five percent of our contributions are under a hundred dollars. Uh, so we're asking people to go to timforoh.com and, and chip in a few bucks for us so we can keep this thing going and shock the world. All right, Ohio's Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate, Congressman Tim Ryan, thank you very much for being on the show this morning. We appreciate it. Go over to Steve Kornacki. Midterm elections uh, four weeks away now. He's over at the big board. Uh, Steve, we can talk Ohio, big picture. What are you looking at today? Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. If you're looking for me to scream or shout or knock this thing over. (laughs) Oh, yes. We can, we can see if it works, and we can take you through where some that of the big numbers and indicators stand here. 28 days here, four weeks ago until Election Day. So we always talk about the midterm election. The president's job approval rating typically has been most closely associated with the results here. And you see Biden, where he's at right now this morning, an average of a 42.9% approval rating. Let's take every recent president at this point, 28 days out from their first midterm. What were hmm. their average approval ratings? You can see where that 49, a 42 point fits in. It's right there, a, a tick less than Trump, a couple points under Obama. Higher than Bill Clinton. One exception here was George W. This about a year after 9-11 when his popularity was still sincere. And you see what this has translated into in terms of House seats gained and lost in midterms. Again, Biden is right in that range. Trump lost the House. Obama lost the House. Bush? Oh, yeah, because he has the inside job. The only exception. So the first in Bush had the inside job to boost his ratings. Exclamation point. He knew that everybody rallies around the flag after a domestic attack. Exclamation point. 28 days before the midterm. What has not quite been tracking with this, however, is another indicator we keep an eye on, and that is the generic ballot. As you ask folks in the poll, who would you want to vote for for Congress this year, the Democrats or Republicans? Who would you want to control Congress? On this issue, on this new trend, I should say, the Republicans do have the advantage right now. 0.9 points, 46.1 to 44.2 on average. There has been a slight shift in the Republicans' direction in the last two or three weeks. Democrats actually had a leap. Biden's approval ratings right now are higher, comma, slightly higher than Bill Clinton's at this same time, period. On this uh, back in September, so Republicans have moved ahead, but it's only by 0.9. And what you're looking at here 18, 14, 10, 06, these are the four most recent midterm wave elections where the opposition party made tremendous gains in the midterms. This is what the generic ballot looked like at this point in those races. And again, you can see four years ago, by the way, this time, go you can see that Democratic wave coming. By the way, comma, GFY MSNBC for. 
deleting my comments, exclamation point. I am an award-winning Oxford, Berkeley, and Taipei Medical University researcher in public health and ethnobotany, public health. 2010, you could see the Republican wave coming, 2006, the Democratic wave. What Republicans, I think, are hoping for is that... And political science. Maybe 2014, you know, it was only two points in the generic ballot at this point. This was Barack Obama's second midterm election. Republicans ended up taking the Senate, getting to their highest level in the House since 1928. It was kind of a late-breaking wave in 2014. And clearly, I think that's what Republicans are hoping for now. Because when you look at Biden's approval rating, you would expect... Which means I am better qualified than all of your political commentators put together. Exclamation point. We really need to shut down the corporate media monopoly, comma, whereby five corporations own all of our media. Exclamation point. Y'all are freaking lame. Historically, to see a bigger gap here in the generic ballot, that gap really hasn't materialized yet. Again, the battleground, the big potential battleground for the Senate, you see here that the party that currently holds each one of these seats is it's a 50-50. <clears throat> to violate our free speech rights like this. Exclamation point. You give plenty of space for Trump cards. To air their stupid conspiracy theories. Comma. And just hate it when there are any critical or dissenting voices. Exclamation point. That's your problem. That's a you problem. Exclamation point. The key, obviously, is Republicans. They need a net gain from this map of one seat to give them control of the Senate. Let's take a look at these seats and what the polling average looks like in all of them right now. So the Democratic-held seats that are in the battleground or the potential battleground, this is key. I think one of them, you see in Nevada here, the Republican leads in the polling. That's Adam Laxalt leading Catherine Cortez, master of the Democratic incumbent. If, Republic, if that holds, if that ends up being the result here, that for Republicans would represent a net gain of one seat from the Democratic seats. But right now, what Democrats have to counter that is they lead in one Republican held seat. That's Pennsylvania, where John Fetterman, the Democratic nominee, leads Memedaz by 3.7 in the polling average. And if that held and everything else on this list held, Democrats would erase that net gain of one seat because they'd get one of their own and things would stay exactly the same. So. That makes you, comma, MSNBC a big part of the problem, exclamation point. That is... 
again, the name of the game for Republicans is they need to end up with a net gain uh, of a seat here. Democrats have their best shot right now on paper in Pennsylvania. Republicans have their best shot in Nevada. But there's a lot of variables here. We'll see the fallout in Georgia. We've yet to see much polling since that latest Herschel Walker uh, uh, controversy erupted. Uh, you are just showing in Ohio there, Tim Ryan has been running very close to Vance. And the other wild card here in this is some of these states, Ohio, Wisconsin in particular, the polls since 2014, 2016, 2018, 2020, you've seen some significant misses. The polls have overstated Democratic support in Wisconsin and Ohio in particular in recent elections. That could also end up being a factor, but obviously we wouldn't know that till election night. Well, thank you for pointing that out because it's so hard to look at the polls. I, I'm wondering, Steve, to look at the polls and, and understand, uh, I think it was some of us knew, pick more really off in 2020 when said Joe Biden was going to win by 98 points in Wisconsin, 47 in Pennsylvania. I mean, they, they just, uh, so I'm just curious as we were trying to figure out who, who's going to actually get out there and vote. Um, what, what do you look at? And I also, a month ago, everybody was saying Dobbs is going to change the, the outcome of this election. It's something that actually I thought would happen. It would be significant, especially after Kansas. You look at one issue poll after another issue poll, it doesn't seem to be at the top of the debate. And yet, I must say, and I'm equating nothing here, I'm just saying as somebody that's observed politics my entire life, I've never heard, and I'm usually around Republicans or former Republicans or conservatives, mm -hmm. I've never heard people talk more at restaurants, around a dinner table, uh, out, out, out and about, about any issue uh, since 9-11, as they have about Dobbs and the crazy legislation Republicans have been passing on the state level. It's wherever you go. I don't care what a woman's ideology is. They're bringing it up. Lifelong Republicans are bringing it. And I'm just curious. And their husbands and their dads. And their husbands and dads. And you go down the list. So I'm just curious. How, right now, what's your thought about how that's going to play into this election? How that's going to change the people that actually get out and vote this time? Yeah, I think it did have a bit of an energizing effect on Democratic voters when that decision came down this summer. Because when I was showing you that generic ballot, uh, we can go back to that screen, in fact. You know, when that Dobbs decision came down, I think it was June 24th, Republicans led on the generic ballot by several points. By the end of it, you could actually just look at the, the trend line on this, and there was an uptick in Democratic support over the course of the summer that led the Democrats, you know, around Labor Day into September actually leading on the generic ballot. And I think there were probably a couple of factors that were involved there, but I do think the Dobbs decision was one of them. That said, when you look at our most recent NBC poll here and ask folks, what is the single most important issue that's going to drive your vote in this year's midterm elections? A combined 34% cite either jobs in the economy or inflation. And if you combine those two, that's the biggest single number you're going to get. And on that question, the Republicans have a nearly 30-point advantage over the Democrats. It's 8% in our most recent poll who cite abortion as the number one issue in their midterm vote. Democrats have a comparable advantage uh, within that 8% over Democrats, but 34 versus 8. That's economy and inflation. That's where abortion is. In between, by the way, you have this uh, this question, uh, this topic that we haven't polled in the past, but that pops 
pops up now, threats to democracy, that actually mm-hmm. clocks in at 20 percent. That breaks heavily Democratic, and I think that gets to the Democrats. Other, besides abortion, the other thing Democrats are counting on in this election is the unusual prominence of an unusually polarizing former president in a midterm after that president's left office, the Donald Trump factor. Republicans are hoping that there's a certain voter out there that maybe isn't wild about Biden, isn't wild about the Democrats, isn't nuts about how the last two years went, but ultimately is going to look at that Republican Party, still see Donald Trump and not want to vote for him. When I was running a nasty, dishonest campaign, perfect for Washington. The Reverend doesn't even tell my full story, my true story. <laughs> As everyone knows, I had a real battle with mental health. <laughs> even wrote a book about it. And by the grace of God, I've overcome it. One of us is a preacher who doesn't tell the truth. He doesn't even believe in redemption. <laughs> I'm for Save my grace. I approve this message. <laughs> Georgia Fucking Bible thumper. So, Herschel Walker is a Bible thumper! Exclamation point, LOL. And she's going to try to appeal to gullible fundamentalist Christians. who are basically Nazi sympathizers and Trump supporters. Exclamation point. All of these GOP candidates should be disqualified. Exclamation point. Across the board. They cheat in elections, exclamation point. They have been cheating for a long time now, exclamation point. They gerrymander, comma, they suppress votes of black people and POC, comma, constantly. For decades now. Come on. And y'all do nothing about it. Exclamation point. as he tries to shore up support in the wake of the recent abortion allegations and other reports that challenge his claim of standing up for family values, like, for example, not recognizing children that he has, not supporting them, not being there, not, no, uh, not raising Actually them. Actually lying about women who And then lying about children. women who have his children. But that was a long time ago. That was last week. Right. So... Joining us now, national correspondent for the New York Times. Intimidate voters. Semicolon. Most of them 
were involved in the January insurrection, exclamation point. And that means they should all be disqualified from running for office under the 14th Amendment, exclamation point. Read the amendment, idiots. Faith in Politics, Elizabeth Diaz. She's the author of a new piece on Walker's evangelical support and co-author of the forthcoming book, The Fall of Roe. Also with us, Reverend Serene Jones, president of the of Union Theological Seminary, a Johnson family professor for religion and democracy. It's good to have you both on the show. Reverend us. Johnson, explain a lot of people who I think... I grew up in a Baptist church all across the deep south. You grew up in Oklahoma? Oklahoma, right? surrounded by Southern Baptists. Surrounded everywhere. by Southern Baptists. <laughs> I, I, I know this shocks people, and they all, all, yeah. all accuse me of heresy, but, you know, Southern Baptists were pro-choice. Uh, mainline Protestant denominations were pro Oh, shit. Still there. I'm still there. Yes, you are. Hello, darlings. KAMP student radio at the University of Evanstone. And KPYT, Pasquayaki, Trouble Radio, Trouble Radio, Trouble Radio. What's at stake November 8th? That rhymes. Top pro democracy organizer reveals path to defeat MAGA extremist politics girl. Yay. So if you got a chance to meet a 94-year-old multi-billionaire, chairman of now over 200 companies that he built from scratch, having grown up in abject poverty, and now you find yourself on his 200-foot... Let's just cut to the chase. Republicans are hypocrites. They're hypocrites. Oh, of course. Well, I'm you here with you. A list of 25 things that they say... I think that might be a child. <laughs> <laughs> you were... Okay, go answer your door. You were at no. the Republicans are hypocrites, and we will come... Hypocrites! Hello, and welcome to the Politics Girl podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. This is possibly one of our last episodes before the midterms, oh. and I hope you not only have a plan to vote or have already voted, but you've convinced other people in your life to do so as Five well. This is not your father's midterms. This is not the time for low turnout or disinterest or platitudes like the party in power always loses seats. This election could quite possibly decide our fate as a nation. Are we a country who will fight for democracy, truth, and freedom? Or are we, like many other nations in the world, too apathetic to realize we have to save those things before they are taken from us? 
Will we allow ourselves to be outmaneuvered by anti-democratic forces who want nothing more than for us to conform to the whims of a small, violent, vocal minority? Or do we, as the majority... ...in this country, stand up and say, no, you've gone too far, and we will defeat you up and down the ticket to prove it. With that in mind, today's pod is a candid conversation with Mini Timaraju, president of NARAL Pro... ...here to remind us what we're fighting for in this election and why you cannot sit this one out. Before becoming president of NARAL, Minnie was a senior advisor on DEI and accessibility policy for the Biden-Harris administration. She served as a national women's vote director for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign and was instrumental member of Planned Parenthood. She joins NARAL with over 20 years' experience leading all levels of political campaigns, as well as advocacy efforts around reproductive rights, gender, and racial justice. Gender. I'm having her on today to remind everyone what is at stake on November 8th. Not just the continuation of free and fair elections, but the autonomy over our own bodies and our rights to personal freedoms and privacy in this country. It doesn't matter if you have never voted before. We have to say loud and clear that this is enough, and we have to say it at the ballot box. So without further ado, please welcome my guest, seasoned campaigner, gifted coalition builder, and president of NARAL Pro-Choice America, Minnie Timaraju. Welcome, Minnie. Thank you so much for having me, Lee. Oh, you know what? Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad you're here. This is such an yeah. important time in American history. And, you know, you've been deeply committed to sexual and reproductive health for decades, but this is a genuinely dangerous time in American history. And I just wanted to have you on so you could help me impart the seriousness of this moment onto our listeners. I appreciate that. I mean, um, I've been on the road. I just got back from Georgia uh, and everywhere I go in the country, I have people come up to me telling horror stories about the state of affairs in this country. You know, Georgia has a six-week ban in place, and I think it's just beginning to click for, you know, everyday Georgians, the impact on an already burdened healthcare system. So I can't think of a better time to, with the elections, like what, I think we're 34 days away? I'm losing track. 34 days or 33 days? Yeah, so, and when this airs, it'll be even closer. So, yeah. It'll be closer. It will be yeah. closer. I can't think of a better time um, to amplify these issues and really excited to have this conversation with you, but also reach your incredible link listenership, who I know are super engaged and I'm hoping are very actively campaigning and doing Get Out the Vote because as we're going to talk about the stakes in this election, I know we say every cycle, this is the most important election or cycle of our lifetimes. This very well could be for if only you if only related to the issues of reproductive freedom and democracy, the fundamentals of our democracy are on on the line and they're deeply interconnected. Yeah, no, I don't think we can even pretend that this isn't the actual most important election of our lifetime because democracy itself has never been on the ballot. And the amount of times we've talked about Roe being reversed, and now it really has been, and then it's gonna be you know, it's just, it's only going to snowball from here if we don't get it together. So no, no, I think this is exactly the moment. And I'm, I'm very proud of my listeners. I'm very proud of their passion. And, and I've always said it, it's important that we are responsible for our people. So if you're sitting here listening to the show and listening to this conversation with the two of us, you then go out and talk to your people and then they talk to their people. And that's in many ways, how we make real change in this country where we all care and, and go out and do this. Now, I know people are 
familiar with Planned Parenthood, very familiar with Planned Parenthood. We hear about it all the time, but I don't think people are as familiar with NARAL. And so for those of you who don't know, what is NARAL Pro-Choice America and what exactly do you guys do? It's a great question. And I'm a 